0: This is In Focus from Control Risks, the global specialist risk consultancy. Each episode of In Focus brings you in-depth analysis and perspective from a different corner of our global network of experts. Welcome to this episode of Asia In Focus. Uh, my name is Yifei Zhang, and I lead Control Risks business in North China. I'm based out of Beijing. Uh, the past few weeks have been awash with news and analysis of Beijing cybersecurity probes into DD Global, China's biggest ride-hailing company. News reports have described this as a shock probe by an obscure agency, the Cyberspace Administration of China, which has left investors blindsided. Uh, The news has certainly sent shockwaves through investors and multinationals with operations and exposure to China. And many are wondering if this is just good data policy poorly executed or if it's a calculated step to undermine the U.S. financial system and its regulators. Joining me for this discussion is Carly Ramsey. Uh, She's a director in Control Risk and is a head of our global risk analysis team for China. So hi, Carly. Hi, Yifei. Carly, I know you've been closely watching regulatory developments on cybersecurity in China for many, many years now, uh, and I'm I'm curious. Did this probe come across as a shock to you? And is this the idea that you know, sort of, the CAC is this quote-unquote obscure agency? It kind of comes across as a bit of a media hype to you, doesn't it?
1: Um, yeah, Yifei. I mean, it is it is certainly interesting development. That's for sure. Um, but from my perspective, and as you mentioned, I've been looking at uh, cybersecurity law-related issues um, since 2016, it is definitely not a shock that the CAC is very interested in the type of d- data that DD holds. Um, the Chinese government uh, years ago identified that China's big tech players, China's critical information infrastructure have a lot of major gaps in the way that they protect data, uh, transfer data. I mean, pretty significant gaps, actually. Um, you know, these companies, like more so than I would say any other country in the world, these companies hold a lot of data. I mean, all of our lives are lived online um, in China in, in multiple ways. Um, and frankly, they just don't have... Best practice when it comes to cybersecurity and data privacy. So, these companies have actually been under the gun since since 2017 on these issues. So, the fact that CAC is interested in DD writ large and the way that it protects its data definitely not a definitely not a shock. What was interesting um, was that CAC thinks that there's a, a, a data security issue with the IPO. Um, this news resulted in me becoming the mini-IPO expert because it was trying to scratch our heads. What could be the concern here? What kind of data is Didi handing over as a part of this IPO process? I mean, we all know that both the US and China are getting increasingly paranoid about, about the risks to their citizens' data from each other. So they are mirroring each other on this like perceived national security risk if an American company holds Chinese citizen data and if a Chinese company holds American citizen data. So we have a a large Chinese company with lots of sensitive data, like map data, personal information data, listing in the United States. But what data is actually DD transferring to U.S. authorities um, as a result? And the answer is we 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 don't think any. (laughs) So this is a very this is this is I probably would say is the most shocking development is that CAC is concerned about this process.
0: So, even if you hold just a large amount of data and you don't do any transfers, it's just the act alone of sort of going to the u s. is is going to raise eyebrows is going to raise uh, some red flags,
1: yeah. it seems so. Yifei. and this the the cyberspace administration of China or CAC, as people refer to it, um seems to seems to have is be making a point here. So CAC is, you know, nominally kind of like, has a big stake in what happens in the internet sector. Um, they are like one of the key regulators of these type of companies. Um, they they regulate content, uh, which is obviously a big part of what these companies do. And uh, I think CAC here is saying, listen, Didi, um, we want to know what co- – we want to know. This is a review, right? We don't know what CAC has actually found or will find as part of this review, we don't know the conclusion, but CAC is saying we want to know what what's ha- what kind of data you're sending over. Um, they've done so in a very uh, dramatic way, but again, back to your original question, CAC is responsible for data security issues. We have a new data security law that's coming into effect soon in China that CAC is uh, a, 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 the the primary player in, um, and DD falls under their under their remit.
0: So, you know, that's interesting. You and I have been here both for a bunch of years now already. And I guess we've all been surprised that these tech companies have just been allowed to sort of develop and run amok, maybe is a little bit more of a negative term for it, but certainly to uh, to really have loose controls in terms of how they grow and and collect and and put to use all that data is is this another sign that you know the regulatory strike back in, against against big tech in China? Is that is, is this entering a new phase? And what do you think that could look like?
1: Hmm. Interesting. So, this these yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this bring this out a bit. So, across many areas of of biz, of industries across many industries and many different issue areas, Chinese authorities are getting much better at developing regulation and then enforcing that regulation. The bureaucracy in China has really professionalized over the past five to 10 years. They're becoming much more transparent um, and much more effective at, at their jobs. And coupled with coupled that with a shift in, in emphasis, so it used to be in China, it was growth for growth's sake, so growth at all cost. Now we have sustainable growth. As the focus, so that's that is a key shift under the Xi Jinping administration is a focus on sustainable growth, and that means that in areas where they would that they would turn a blind eye to, they're cracking down. And so you take the, for example, the environment is a big area of regulatory enforcement. Um, other areas like anti-corruption, like cracking down on corrupt practices in business, um, right to these areas around data security and data privacy. Um but other areas such as antitrust, et cetera. so I mean across multiple areas of regulation, um things are getting really really intense. Um, now for big tech, yes, like there's there's several uh, because their businesses are 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 significant because they're so big um there's several areas that, that has caught that that has is causing concern, not just from the authorities but from Chinese citizens as well. And so there's various ways that the authorities have, have have enforced these rules against them. But again, none of this has was a shock. Um the authorities, like I as I mentioned, they're becoming much more transparent. Um, you know, I think it was early 2020 when they when they announced that they would be going after big tech for antitrust issues. And then I think it was about six weeks ago when they announced the $2.8 billion fine on Alibaba for antitrust issues. But effectively Alibaba was warned. Um Eighteen months ago, that this was going to be a focus for enforcement. So again, none of this is uh, back to this point. Is that none of this is really um, for people who are watching the the regulatory development, regulatory landscape. None of this is actually uh, significantly surprising.
0: That's that's a really good point, Carly. Uh, I mean, I want to sort of shift us now onto something that you wrote about recently uh, around. Sort of looking at the differences between politics and regulations in, in in China, which from the outside can sound a little bit nuanced, but I think I think there's a good point to be made there. Uh, you know, politics sometimes can seem to be really big and intimidating, uh, and and also it gets kind of blamed as the easy answer for a lot of things. Uh, you know, we have so many increasing tensions now, especially between China and. Uh, and Western governments. And we get a lot of clients who sort of reach out to us and they're deeply concerned, but they seem to think that politics is the easy answer and the sort of the solution to some of these, uh, uh, some of these impacts and some of these uh, harder questions. Uh, But you, you, you recently published an article where you said politics are important but it's the regulations that really matter. So, what do you mean by that? What's what's the difference?
1: Yeah, and I thanks Yifei for the question. And I wrote this article because I I see from I see like consistently from our clients that um, whenever there's some type of regulatory investigation or some type of regulatory action taken against their business in China, their immediate conclusion is that it's politically driven. And we certainly know that politics is important um we know that i think companies intuitively understand that as well um, but it's the regulations that are are driving um the main driver of 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 scrutiny on our clients and that these regulations are often badly overlooked and poorly understood by companies um and pundits who are uh, who and and media who who look at moves like what happened to Didi and who look at moves like what's happening at Alibaba and immediately jump to kind of like um, conspiracy theory-like conclusions about, you know, factional politics or connections or, ang- or you know, getting mm-hmm. back for making controversial statements, etc. Whereas we, when we look at it, it's we, we see more of a direct connection. To a political imperative to 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 make changes to a certain business model um, for example, rather than like an ad hoc um political uh, like attack on companies
0: so so do the hard work and actually understand regulators and what drives them rather than just sort of uh, you know looking for easy answers in the book. yeah.
1: Man. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is indeed hard work. And this is, this is, I think this is the crux of the problem. And also why I wrote this article, because our com- our clients are just, um, I mean, in their defense, our clients are just not set up to take this in. Um, you know, most of our clients, not all though, there's a lot of companies that are still arriving to China, a lot of multinationals that are, are still coming here and are brand new to China. But a lot of our clients have been here for 10, 15, 20, even 30, 40 years. Um, And when they arrived in China, there was little to no regulations to comply with. And if there was a regulation to comply with or a law to comply with, the local government did not enforce it. And that's because back to that point that it was all about growth for growth's sake. Um, You know, if you need to pollute the local river, go do it because you're growing, um, you're hiring our people, you're paying taxes. And this looks good for my KPI, right? But now we're in this time, and I mean, this is truly a shift in, into sustainable growth. So these local government officials, their KPIs are no longer about just growth; it's about sustainable growth. So um, our clients just don't have the people uh, in place to 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 kind of capture this. They, you know, if they have someone responsible for for capturing this, this might be a junior compliance professional who's Hundred percent of their day is focused on compliance with the U.S. FCPA, for example. Not even the Chinese anti-corruption laws, which are you know vigorously enforced here and different than FCPA. So this is where this is the problem. That our clients just don't have the people and the processes in place to understand both understand. These emerging political and regulatory developments, and then when, then once you take that in, then transfer that to the right people in the business to mitigate, right? So, um, you know, if you have an environmental re- regulation that requires your factory, for example, to like make some changes, who's going to take that in, and then how do you transfer that to the right business unit who has to actually implement that that requirement? This is something that, that I, I that many of our clients um, lacking.
0: Yeah, and uh, you can totally see how that lack of preparation or or even that kind of antiquated attitude could result in different pitfalls and, and, and sort of problems that don't become apparent from the get go. But, you know, they get worse over time. So, you know, can you give some other examples, um, maybe tie them back to. You know, sort of the the cyber and the, the data issues. We started the conversation with. Um, you know, if we get lost too much in the headlines, you know, how could that actually result in more risks, maybe even for the company?
1: Yeah. So the headlines are giving our uh, our our clients whiplash. Ife. Um. The the. Let me just say right here that the media coverage of China is. Um. Is very. Uh, it's, 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 it's often, I mean, the tone is obviously very negative, but often we find um, factually incorrect. So I, 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 I always warn our clients that you have to read all the media coverage um, about China with a massive grain of salt. Um, and then I think you need to peel, you need to, to to dig down into, into what's happening. And I think um, the incoming data security law, which is implemented on September 1st. So just, you know, Five weeks away from today is a great example of, you know, an issue where the media has gotten a hold of it and, you know, headlines are kind of like doom and gloom. And, you know, the Chinese government is going to come, you know, take all your data, uh, run and hide kind of stuff. But, um, you know, it's it's from again, from this perspective of kind of like this linear path that kind of policy and regulation takes in China um, is not um not too surprising and uh like it's been been flagged as a priority issue for the Chinese government since 2016 so we're 5 years of kind of lots of flagging and warning that this issue is is something that the government takes very seriously you know data security is um directly tied to chinese national security priorities and as a result because it's so heavily tied to chinese national security it is heavily prioritized and it's going to be a lot of scrutiny over over data security um, This is an issue where, again, not all data is going to be considered a, a, as impacting Chinese national security. So then, clients have to, our clients have to say, okay, is this um, does this actually impact me? Am I a focus of enforcement? Is there do I hold any data that they might consider potentially concern? And for a lot of our clients, the answer is going to be no. um, Frankly, right? They're just not going to have any any data that's uh, that the government's going to be concerned about. And then, um, you know, this this is a relatively easy thing for them to manage. But for some of our clients, yes, this is going to be something that they're going to have to manage uh, and 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 mitigate the risks surrounding the the data security law. But it's it's just a matter of again understanding the greater political imperative to secure data in China. And kind of say, okay, what kind of data do I have that could be concerned to Chinese authorities about Chinese national security? And what am I doing with that data? Am I securing it? Uh, where is it localized? Where is it? Where is it held? Um, and how do we treat it?
0: The same requirements you would really have for data protection anywhere else in the world.
1: Right? Yeah, to some same. extent. Yeah. yeah, it does. I mean, for some, like we've gone through exercises, EFE, where we've um, helped our clients kind of comb through their data um and understand okay for potentially sensitive 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 data how are you managing it how, are you protecting it is sure. it secure or does uh, is there controls on it and you know i most of the time there is already um and that the the, the mitigating the actions they have to take are are not too um costly or burdensome
0: so this it, it kind of sounds like it's, it's a replay of what was happening almost a couple of years ago with the social credit as well. I, I remember there was so much noise, um, just before sort of announcements about, you know, social credit reviews and scores getting, getting released and people were, especially the media were making such a big deal kind of in a very aggressive fashion about it. But then when it actually started getting implemented, of course, you know, had very little impact on day-to-day lives, and even on, you know, company operations. It was it was almost negligible impact, and, and of course, the government had been giving signals about it for years already.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that much of what happens in China, exactly, Ife is is the there's the, there's a let's take social credit such a great example. Social credit is aimed. There's an aim to make the the overall business environment better this is the goal and i think that would shock lots of people after reading so much the the western media commentary on social credit that the overall purpose the primary purpose of social credit is to make a better business environment um i know that shocks people actually and and for our clients who Especially those that take compliance very seriously and take their role uh, as a corporate citizen very seriously, um, they get that. They get. They they understand um, what why the government is 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 trying to clean up basically very bad habits from businesses. And frankly, the target overwhelmingly is on domestic companies who have little oh. to no like compliance practices. Exactly like the similarity with the big tech. And having little to no cybersecurity and privacy practices. So, like, the focus of it is overwhelmingly on the companies that are the biggest um, g- gaps. Um, our our foreign clients, our foreign clients te- tend to be um, tend to be not always, but tend to be kind of uh, ahead above the pack um, in the domestic landscape. And 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 as such, um, are, are not the focus of of these of these regulations of of these developments, frankly. But again, I think when foreign companies, when they get dinged, and they do get dinged, because there's a lot happening on the regulatory side. And like I said, people are just not equipped to take this in. Um, When they get dinged, again, their instinct is to say, well, it's because I'm a U.S. company or it's because I'm a Canadian company or it's because I'm an Australian company. That's their instinct. But it's usually, I want to say, 99.9% of the time incorrect. It was not because you were a U.S. company. It was because, in your specific area, your specific industry, the authorities have been vigorously enforcing these regulations against your Chinese domestic peers for months, if not years, and they have finally come knocking at your door.
0: So you know it's 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 a bit scary for these guys. You know, uh, you know they shouldn't overreact, uh, but you know if they could take some preventative measures, it would be even better, right? Don't get dinked in the first place. So what 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 could be, you know, some good I
1: totally agree with that.
0: What could be some I totally
1: agree with that. Yeah. yeah
0: like they could be doing a lot more to begin with. To, yeah, uh, at least on the prevention side, at least on understanding yeah. the, the regulators yes. to begin with, right?
1: Yeah. That's right. So the advice, the there's kind of three um three things that, and it's this is in the article as well. Three things that we come down to, which is like um that to help to help our clients think through how to like manage this intense, crazy regulatory environment in China. One, stop believing everything you need in the newspaper. One, that's the first one. The headlines are really um, giving our clients whiplash. And um as I mentioned, while the tones are extremely negative, they get actually the, the articles often are factually incorrect. All right. The second one is that. Do devote more resources at your company to keeping up with this ever-changing political and regulatory environment. As I mentioned that um, our clients, uh, not all, but many, I would say a vast majority of them, do not have the right um, people and processes in place to kind of keep up with the changing Chinese regulatory environment. And finally, and this is a really important recommendation, is that you need to give your compliance a seat at the strategy table. Compliance is your strongest defense for mitigating both political and regulatory risk. And what I mean by this is that regulatory risk is very high for our clients in China, as as this whole discussion has gone over. And compliance, obviously, a strong compliance um, executive, um, a senior compliance executive who's got who's at the right hand of the China head, um, uh, can help make sure that the company's responding to regulatory risk, but also. By doing that, by tightening up um, on the regulatory side, you're also mitigating political risk because you, you at this point you do not want to give any excuse. In this time of heightened geopolitical tension between U.S. and China and China and other countries as well, um, if you're a U.S. company, for example, don't give them any reason to come, come, come knocking your door. Tighten up on compliance,
0: compliance with a seat at the strategy table. Uh, shocking, Carly. I, I, I love it, though. I think I think it's uh, I think that's uh, that's different advice from uh, a lot of what we're hearing out of the market. Um, so, uh, you know, I hope we get another chance to chat again soon. But I want to thank you very much, uh, Carly, for joining us today on this podcast and putting all these new developments into perspective for us. And uh, I want to say thank you for uh, the audience for joining us uh, on Asia in Focus. As always, uh, please look for more information about Control Risk and the exciting work we're doing online at controlrisk.com, where you can find us on uh, LinkedIn and WeChat and all sorts of other social media platforms. Bye. If you enjoyed what you heard on this episode of InFocus, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen. And be sure to subscribe to our other podcasts as well, such as The Global Insight, our fortnightly panel discussion exploring the impact of the most pressing issues on global business. All of our podcasts are available wherever you listen. Just search Control Risks. You can follow all of our analysis and find out how we are helping businesses build organizations that are secure, compliant, and resilient by visiting controlrisks.com.